A lot of people from care backgrounds have experienced family and domestic violence. In this episode of Straight Up, we're going to look at one particular type of family and domestic violence, which is financial abuse. I'm Brooke. I'm Nora. And this is Straight Up. I feel like for me, financial abuse isn't something I always thought about as part of uh, family and domestic violence. It's different for me because I come from a family background where abuse is so prominent. So like, yeah, in my upbringing, I knew exactly what it was because my dad would always, um, my dad was always controlling the money, where it goes, what it's spent on, how much is spent, if we get money or if it's all his, like he controlled my stepmom's money, my real mum's money, the government's money, like all of that. Um, was was do you think your dad was controlling the whole financial situation of the family as a way to like control the family, the family and the movements and the behaviours and one hundred twenty five percent, yeah, like that is all he was doing with it when it came to controlling the money. It came to the fact of what was spent on what and how it was spent because he wanted to control that whole dynamic of the family. Um, so would, would he, like, stop you from accessing money so that you had to go through him and he could have power yeah. over you? Yeah. So you didn't have much access to money with your family or in care? Definitely not. I ended up homeless asking for money as well because, like, had no financial means in any situations. When you When you left care... Was that like a complete train wreck financially? A hundred percent. Yep, like definitely to be in control of your own money. But no, because at the same time then I was really codependent. So like my partner controlled all the money too. So it really went. Do you think you did that on purpose? Yeah. Because you were stressed out by it? Yeah. Yeah. Which I respect now because like now I know what you should like. I learned budgeting that way, even though it's. A twisted way to learn it all but at the same time like I learned what was vital and what the list of things you need to pay for like bills rent all of that first and then you can have $50 pocket money or something like that like it wasn't disrespectful in my eyes because at the end of the day like she had parents she knew what to do with money Brooke didn't Brooke didn't have parents Brooke spent money on drugs Brooke spent money on dumb shit like that was the end of, that was the end result of it but the way that she did it um, made me realise what was important and what wasn't and what you could spend $150 on and make it beneficial compared to what you can spend $150 on and be gone in two seconds, you know? Cheap yeah. thrills compared to vital needs. I'm glad that that wasn't a situation of family and domestic violence. Um, we did talk about some situations that are family and domestic violence with David. So my name's David Tully. I work here at Relationships Australia in a role um, which is called Practice Manager around family violence. He works with a lot of people who experience family domestic violence. Both in terms of people who have been subjected to violence and also you know, prevention sort of work about people who are either at risk of using violence or have used violence in their lives, speaking out about the issue, um, advocacy as well. 
We wanted to know what David thinks financial abuse is. Financial abuse um, occurs when there's a context of you know power relationships, in, in, usually in some sort of relationship, um, often in intimate partner relationships. But financial abuse is when um, someone uses tactics to take control of somebody's finances or directly take money off them or they may force the person to take out a really big loan uh, which the other person benefits from and then leaves them with the loan. It could also mean, you know, stealing money from them directly, um, as I said, forcing people into financial arrangements against their will. Uh, somebody may stop a partner for maybe working, for instance, because they know if they haven't got any money, they don't have independence, they don't have... Money gives us freedom and it gives us power in this world. So, you know, it might stop a partner from working, It might you might you they might stop a partner from getting involved in education because that might have them in a you know a position to you know get other work forcing into other sort of financial relationships that really that's against their will and then that, and again and that means because there is complicated financial decisions people make when they get in relationships like do i do we keep our money in separate accounts or do we put it together and we both want a car so do we go on a joint loan you know there are those sort of decisions that need to be made but when they're not made freely and there's coercive power behind that as well and and crazy power can be through brute force and intimidation, you know, like because you're scared, but it can also be thought, oh, what well, if you don't do this? I'm just, you know, I'm going to be terrible and I'm, I'll, I'll be so depressed and I might kill myself if you don't. There's other kinds of manipulation. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, like it, it can work that way yeah. as well. And often that can be subtler and harder to detect. You know, if you love me, you'd let me do yeah. this. Uh, or even unsaid, I guess, just yeah, the just implied. Yeah, I need this. Yeah. I need this from you. Yeah, and if you love me, you yeah, you know. It's a... Can I have a crack at summarising it then? Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. So it's one partner or one person in a relationship yeah. obstructing, like stopping someone's access to money, yeah. or using their money inappropriately or coercing them or forcing them into a, a bad financial situation. Yeah. And it's part of a bigger pattern of power mm. that's playing out in that relationship yeah. that often involves physical violence, yeah. sexual violence, uh, other kinds of yeah. violence. So, like, when we're talking about why financial, financial abuse happens, mm. I guess it's the same for why any kind of domestic violence happens. Yeah. I think financial abuse limits somebody's ability to make decisions and have power in this world. You know, having money allows you to sort of buy things or go places or or um, even move house or do things. I mean, these things become really important. So when you limit someone's access to money, you're sort of limiting their power in this world and they may become more isolated. The most recent one I came across, which was really disturbing, she was in an isolated community in the Adelaide Hills in a small town. She's from Victoria, no family support, no friends, um, a 10-week-old baby and a three-year-old. Do you want to just introduce yourself? Uh, so I'm Francie Hogan. Um, I work for Relationships Australia. We've been working here for about seven years. Francie told us about some of her clients that have experienced financial abuse. Their partner, husband, was leaving early, coming home late, 
he didn't appear to be giving her very much money at all. She was relying on her mother to send her money from Victoria. Her mother couldn't assist her or come over due to COVID. So she was quite at risk, I thought. You know, we've got to organise with Centrelink uh, so that she was getting Centrelink payments because then the husband left. But she did say to me she was happy that she was breastfeeding because she wouldn't have been able to afford formula so that was a that was a real big alert for me you know she she named it but um you know sometimes it's um it's quite hidden people are not going to divulge or say that if i saw some quite obvious signs i might ask but you do come across it yes definitely do you want to tell us about some of the experiences you come across oh well you know being left with credit card debt you know that 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 I mentioned earlier that was that was quite common scams that's financial abuse where you know someone's on the internet I've had a few clients male and female that have you know been madly in love with someone overseas could you send me three thousand they've done it you know because my grandmother's sick you know this you know story and people have believed it and have been really ripped off so that's the you know massive financial abuse, and that's 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 becoming more and more common, you know, mm-hmm. where where people are lonely, they they want they want to belong to someone, they want to have someone that cares about them, and people are very care you know very canny on the internet by you know making you feel welcome and warm and you know and loved, and then you dish out three grand, and and also you know when when people make an arrangement, it's not I'm not managing my money. You take my credit card. You manage my finances because I can't do it. And then when they do, they get really abusive and angry because they want you know they've torn up the credit card. And I you know what did you you know? And then there's a fight. You know I mean it looks ideal, you know, but it can that that can be fought with problems. Have you had any other cases that stand out to you? Um, a guy came to me, businessman, had his own business, lost everything through gambling, then ended up working for the business as an employee. He wanted, he, he had wanted her super and took most of it to pay off his debts, but then gambled it. And then he wanted her savings, right? So... You know, same thing, it's abuse. She, you know, mother of his children, they're adult children, they're in their 50s, 60s. She wants him to be out of debt. He's, there's no guarantees that he's going to honour not gambling. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of unspoken stuff that you guess and then you ask, but there's too much shame and, um, and stigma attached to that. Another thing I'm interested in, I know young people who are involved in the project who are on income management, yeah. and they, we were in a focus group uh, fairly recently talking about financial abuse, and someone said, well, what about my basics card? Yeah. <laughs> How does that fit into your thinking around financial abuse? Yeah, well, I think when you look at the power relationships around those decisions, it doesn't give people then the freedom to then make the best you know, decisions around the way they spend the money and how they spend money. The other aspect of that is that it doesn't allow people then to do things like, oh, the local farmer's market has a really cool thing on Sunday, but I can't rock up there and, you know, spend 15 bucks and get 
45 bucks of stuff that I'd get in a big chain. You know, you can't do that sort of stuff as well. So I think, I know some people, when, you know, I've been involved with young people who can set up what, you know, what we used to call... Centre-pay. Centre-pay, still called centre-pay. And that was a decision and I completely get it. But I'm involved in that decision um, as opposed to when people aren't involved in it. It's done on a massive scale and it's part of that stigmatising sort of process. Would you consider financial abuse to apply in the workplace? Yeah, I do. Between an employer and a Yeah, I, I do. It's the language I would choose to use, actually, because ultimately there's a power relationship, you know, where, you know, you, you know, most of us need to work for money, you know, and because of that fear that you may lose your job, you don't feel like you're saying, well, actually, I, you know, I really want to be paid for those four hours I'm going to do on a Saturday, you know, asking people to work hours that they don't get paid for, when it's not clearly this is a volunteer role when you're not, or you're not doing as part of work experience, uh, can be poor. Yeah, and again, underpaying becomes another aspect of that. So, what can you do to help protect yourself against yeah. getting into these situations? I think it's it, it's it's wherever you can finding information and, and good social support to be aware of what your rights are. You know, because if you if you have a stronger idea and clear idea of what your rights are and what's okay and what's not okay, when somebody tries to push about those boundaries. Um, and said, oh, yeah, let's go get that $10,000 loan, but let's just put it in your name. Um, you get, you, rather than, you know, you start to get the little... Um, red flags? Yeah, the red flags dinging in your head a little bit that makes you question it a little bit more as well. And I think that's recognising when something's on shaky ground because often the tactics of financial abuse, like most tactics of abuse, don't start with the most extreme stuff. You know, it starts with little things. Like, oh, just leave me $100, you know, it's okay, I'll pay you back. Uh, and then it, like, it increases, increases, increases to, you know, oh, well, let's, you know what I mean, let's just put money together. Um, but you don't need a card for it. You just, I'll, I'll keep the card for us. That'll be fine. You know, I mean, if you trust me, I'll, you know, I'll look after our money for us because I've, I've got a sense of our future. And all of a sudden, you know, you've gone from just lending somebody some money to all of a sudden they have all your money and you have no access to get that sort of money. And it, it's sort of... It's that gradual process that can make it often hard to detect. I, I think the first important thing is to recognise in any type of abuse is to reach out and talk to somebody, you know, and that may be a professional service, or it might be a trusted person in your life, but the person, you know, just to feel like you can reach out and just check out any given situation to another party as well. So, I mean, I think, you know, if there's trusted people in your life, I think, you know, um, friends or family, you know, that can be a start. Also, you know, to ring any sort of uh, any of the sort of counselling services or social support or youth support agencies, or um, you know, some of the more formal domestic violence type of services like eighteen hundred respect or you know, organisations like Us Relationships Australia as well. Just to ring and just uh, just to have a conversation to start teasing it out because then it helps you draw some lines between what you know what, what you're thinking and what seems reasonable and okay and. Yeah, actually, no, that is an orange light situation. Or no, that is a red light sort of situation. We all need that social support to check out our own thinking. And when you get sort of caught into a tricky situation where there's power and fear or just you feel like you can't really gather up your own thoughts, I always think to reach out, get social support and, and check, you know, check your thinking out. 
If you are currently experiencing family domestic violence of any kind, remember that you can always ring 1-800-RESPECT. We've also put some information in the show notes uh, about some different kinds of family domestic violence, if you're interested, uh, how to identify them and how to seek help. Straight Up is part of the GOM Central project. You can find out about GOM Central by visiting gomcentral.elmplace.org.au or join us on our Facebook group. GOM Central is delivered by Postcare Support Services and funded by the Department for Child Protection. If you have left care or you're about to leave care and you're struggling with any issues, get in touch with Postcare Support Services on 1800 188 118. Your hosts are me, Nora Goodborn, and Brooke Oliver. This podcast was created on Ghana and Paramount country. We wish to acknowledge the Ghana and Paramount peoples and all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Australians, their spiritual, physical, emotional, mental, and economic connection to the lands and seas.